Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are going to have a discussion show. We're going to recap everything that went on at Angular Mix 2017 last week. Uh, so let's get our show started. We've got joining us today, we've got Austin McDaniel. Austin, what's going on? How's it going, everyone? I'm trying to get like get my hat on straight that keeps moving around. <laughs> You're having some headgear te technical difficulties there. All right, we got uh, Bonnie with us. Bonnie, how's it going? Hi, how are you doing? Finally got back. Good. I think I'm all, I'm just about unpacked, and now I got to pack again because I'm leaving in like two days. Traveling, traveling. Such a jet setter. Yeah. <laughs> we got a Mike with us. Mike, what's going on? Ah, uh, not too much. Just jumping on, ready to chat a little bit about last week, distant past. <laughs> yeah, it's in the past. We're going to recap it, recall it, right? Uh, we got Sam with us. Sam, how's it going? Hi. Good. Cool. And Alyssa is going to be joining us here in a minute. So uh, Bonnie, Mike, Sam, myself, we were all at Mix. Austin, we missed you at Mix. Uh, but you were there in spirit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, first of all, Angular Mix. It was a conference in Orlando, Florida, um, Angular Mix 2017. It was kind of fo more focused on uh, enterprise, enterprise Angular. That was the, the kind of idea of the conference, I believe. Uh, so most of the sessions and, and the content was attempted to be more geared towards uh, the enterprise level Angular development stuff. Um, of course, there's always nuggets in there for any level of Angular that you're developing, but uh, that was kind of the main thing. Um, it was, uh, it included the Angular team. So a bunch of the Angular uh, core team was there. Uh, they gave talks as well as had a presence there. Uh, let's see, like uh, Brad was there, Jules, uh, Rob, Steven, Igor, uh, Mishko, list goes on and on. Anybody else want to throw any other names out there? <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, a bunch. Uh, got, Alex, Rick and Bob. We got to meet Brad's kids. They were pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Some people brought their family, so that was cool. Um, you brought your kid. I did. I did bring my kid. She had did her first talk. Or did she first talk? Yeah, yeah. There were some uh, other great talks too. Uh, so, but, like the first day was a lot of the Angular team talking, right? Um, and then this, the next two days were a mix of, of all kinds of people, um, other speakers talking and stuff like that. Yeah, well, it kind of went uh, single track the first day uh, with, like you said, primary focus on the team. And then it kind of broke out from there uh, to a multi-track with lots of good talks. Yeah, so the uh, Angular team talked about some new stuff that they had, uh, some kind of things that are on the horizon and stuff like that. So I thought we'll start first start with kind of covering what the Angular team talked about, uh, their points and, and their talks, and kind of go into uh, discussion around that. And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the conference events, and then we'll talk about the other talks, and then uh, wrap the show up. So uh, yeah, let's, let's dive into it more. Uh, so the Angular team stuff, the things that they announced, um, I have a list of things here. Uh, one of the first things they talked, uh, Mishko talked about um, ng upgrade and this new upgrade light concept. Uh, where, uh, if you're familiar with ng upgrade, uh, hopefully you are, because you watched a couple of our previous episodes where we had Denny on talking through ng upgrade and demoing that uh, part one and two. Uh, that's really using this ng upgrade module to kind of run your Angular JS application within an Angular application and um, slowly migrate pieces of it forward into Angular uh, <clears throat> with the idea that the that Angular was the engine that was running, the framework that was running it, and just processing that AngularJS code, right? And I believe that this new uh, upgrade light approach is that you bootstrap your Angular app the normal way you would with the, I'm sorry, your AngularJS app in the normal way you would for AngularJS, do that bootstrap. And you could pass it this, um, uh, module function that uh, helps you load a, an Angular module uh, lazily uh, when it's requested. So the idea being that you just bootstrap your regular AngularJS app, it's running, it's doing all those things fine, and then you start slowly like migrating modules to Angular. 
And then when uh, a component is requested that comes from that module, then the Angular framework will kick in and be used. So it kind of allows you to do um, kind of like a slow rollout separation of those two. But it also, I think, focuses really on this concept of like when you take an Angular app and you use that uh, to run your AngularJS app, you're using Angular and the ng zone, the zone stuff for change detection, and you've got that the entire time that the Angular upgrade module is running that whole thing, right? Whereas this gives you a way to say, okay, I'm just running AngularJS code, and when I need it, I'll request that that code be run with the Angular um, framework bits and that sort so of thing. So in that case, is, is the change detection totally separate? Because right now it's kind of like this awkward thing where it's kind of like a... Uh, like a wrapper around that. So if, if it's totally separate like that, that could be a huge performance increase for people that are running NG upgrade. Yeah, I think that's the idea, right? Is that like if you ran Angular, NG upgrade with Angular and Angular's doing all the controlling, then it's got its zone running watch for the entire thing, right? And then AngularJS is still doing its digest thing. And so with this, you're separating the two, getting the performance like you're mentioning. Um, and then you're, but you do have to think about more of this, change detection stuff that now you have a little more control over that, I believe. So now you're, you know, might have to kick, if, you're, if your Angular code's using some Angular JS service that's doing something that triggers some change detection that you're used to, you may need to manually trigger that or whatever in this scenario. But but yeah, I think that whole idea is the, the performance and the, the lighter weight and all that stuff. So that was interesting. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, Angular Labs. That was uh, talked about as this new thing. There's a, a icon for it, so uh, a logo for it. So it must be real, right? Maybe Mike can talk a little bit more about the, the Angular Labs concept. It was it was new to me. I learned about it uh, when everybody else did. Uh, I scrambled to get it into uh, my talks into my slides, um, but it's pretty much my understanding. Um, not to say exactly what it is. Uh, my understanding is that things that are new that may have public APIs that may change, uh, that may go away. Uh, just things that teams are playing with it uh, to provide exposure to uh, so that other people can play with it as well. No different than, say, like a Labs feature in like Gmail or Google Calendar to be able to say, hey, I want to play with that, but I understand that it may change or may go away. So it's this idea of kind of grouping these things, right, that, that are kind of in the works or whatever under this one umbrella that you can call Angular Labs that say, look, yeah, just like you said, experimental or the things that are, are in development, but now we have kind of like a, a term or a collection of all these things and yeah, things like schematics, right? Schematics and the uh, component dev kit and um, we'll talk a little bit about each of those real quick, but those kind of all fall under the umbrella of the Angular Labs. Yep, I think that's uh, the full encompassing list, as far as I know, of what is currently under uh, there. So is there like one domain that has everything listed out under it that's like the Angular Labs domain, or not really? Uh, it's more so a designation that something is part of Angular Labs, and, not, and it's not going to be a central location where those lab items are stored under. Uh, it's just a broader title category thing <laughs> that's beautiful it's beautiful <laughs> nailed it with this with this like um you know if i'm you know beta five or uh angular five is just around the corner with with things in angular five you know before say we're in angular four let's imagine we're in eight okay let's imagine we're in angular four and angular five is around the corner like, would I be able to start trying out new things in Angular 5 in 4 type thing? Is that what it would be? Or is it like these, like, super experimental things like, like no zones or something like that? I think it's just a way to say, like, hey, these things are things that are in production or being worked on, right? These are these concepts. These are these things that, um, and just, like, kind of, organizing them that way is it yeah so I, I, I see it as a way of like managing expectations right so if something is designated as labs then 
maybe the documentation isn't quite there, or maybe this is just something that somebody's playing with so that somebody doesn't uh, fully expect or yeah, what to expect to get out of a given feature or something that's been placed under that designation. I think so, how Jules put it was nice. It was like basically anything that is like fully design-wise comped out. Like the idea is far enough that we have like logos or a name or branding for it, but it's still in the experimental phase is how she like umbrellaed it. So I think anything that you could say is experimental, but you know about because it's like exists and been talked about could probably fall under it, I guess. I like that uh, explanation of it. It's kind of like managing expectations, right? It's just setting these expectations of what this stuff is, right? Yeah, you said maybe no documentation, maybe it's success sort of thing. So yeah. So there's schematics in there, right? Schematics, this new thing. Uh, Mike had to talk about it uh, a little bit. And uh, we're gonna maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, schematics is uh, under the Angular Labs designation, but I am. Um, Schematics isn't something that's potentially going to go away. Schematics is under that umbrella mainly because uh, the documentation and the explanations behind it aren't quite there. Um, so with that out of the way, um, schematics is the topic of next week's show. Um, we're going to be going over schematics, what they are, and how you'd use them and what they can do for you and your organization or you and the angular community so schematics um, are something that already exists under the hood in uh angular cli is using these right for the generators to generate angular cli has been using schematics under the hood invisible to everyone just hidden uh uh kind of like a refactoring type thing that happened with release 1.4 um but that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg it, to be able to get uh, some default things generated um, via schematics versus the old blueprint engine. Um, but the power of schematics becomes when you get into the extensibility and customization of what you want to generate to personalize your apps the way you want them. <laughs> Yes, yes. Schematics are, uh, I, I love the schematic stuff. I, I'm very excited about it because uh, it's going to empower a lot of things uh, going forward with uh, our ability to make building Angular apps and scaffolding all that stuff a, a lot easier and a lot simpler uh, while still leveraging the power of the Angular CLI. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, Remind me to show so you an idea that changes spaces to tabs. Let's, we can play with that next week. <laughs> all right, all right. Who would ever do that? <laughs> I, I'm going to call it the McDaniel feature. Nice. All right, so uh, CDK, the uh, component dev kit, that was another thing that was discussed. That, that falls underneath this um, labs thing, right? I think that's kind of interesting because uh, so the CDK is uh, the idea of taking the power of Angular material, right? The the logic that powers it and separating it out so that you could put your own, you know, view design experience on top of that, but yet you can get the, the power of what it does logically. Does that sound correct to everybody? Uh, we have some people that do a little work on that. So maybe they can kind of say if that's correct or not. It, Austin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so the CDK is uh, essentially when you're building uh, component libraries, like after you've built them a few times, like you find these patterns that you kind of like repeat over and over and over again. Like an example might be like how you position a dropdown, right? And it's not just like, like a naive approach would just be like, oh, we'll just like absolutely, you know, position it relatively, right? super easy but there's things like you need to you know what if there's overflow what if you know collision detection with other you know things that are on the screen indexing you know what level of in z index you want to put it at relative to other things uh collision detection with 
you know, if it's at the bottom right of the page, like you want it to show at the top right or the top left, if it's at the bottom right. And so there's all these little things that like you do as component developers and they're kind of just repeats of all the same stuff. And layout and overlay, I think is what it's called, is actually one of those things. And so the material team has essentially taken, you know, all these common things and extracted them from, you know, the material library and created component developer kit that will allow you to kind of utilize some of these same tools. And you're probably thinking like, okay, that's cool, but you know, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna use material. Why do I care about this? It's already got these things built in. Well, you know, some people um, maybe they're using material and there's a component that they need, like a date picker dropdown or something crazy that is very specific to like your use case. And you're gonna have to build those and you wanna build like a high quality component like material packages with all these things like, you know, layout and collision detection, accessibility, focus management, uh, right to left support, internationalization, all those things are just like little things that kind of define what this CDK is. Another use case that you might use it is you have very specific um, design requirements and material really isn't a fit for you but you still want to be able to, you know, use all those same low level utilities that material is taking advantage of as you build your components. And so that's another really powerful use case for it to now enable you to develop really high quality components like the material components are. So I mentioned like um, things like, you know, layout, uh, things like right to left support, uh, focus management is a really big one. You know, when I open like a dialogue and then I close the dialogue, the focus, you know, from a accessibility perspective should actually go back to that button that opened that dialogue and the browser doesn't do that automatically. So like focus trapping, things like that, accessibility in terms of like labels and stuff like that is also in there. And a lot of like other little stuff right to left. Did I say that already? Um, and, and stuff like that. So it's a really cool little um, low-level utility kit that people can take advantage of for building their own components. So would but you I, never use them together? Like, are you- Yeah, absolutely. So the use case is like, I'm using material and uh, there's a material component. I need a component that material isn't implemented or they're probably not gonna implement that is specific to my business case. So I can use Material and the CDK together um, because when you actually install Material, you have to install the CDK as well. Like it's a requirement for it. So it's already going to be there and you can already take start taking advantage of it. What I like about it, it's really cool. Is like, you know, we think about using a component library and you're like, okay, I've got Material and I've got PrimeNG and I got, um, some other ones and, and you're going, okay, I have to decide on the look that I want in order to get the functionality that I want, right? Um, the CDK is gonna allow you to go, okay, well, I can bring my own look to the to the table and I can just grab the functionality. So I'm not having to do like all the stuff you said, you know, like tab components, all these things, like hopefully I, I can leverage the, the logic of that. And then I could just put my own face on top of that. Um, I don't have to settle with, uh, not settle because these other component libraries are great visual libraries, you know, but maybe we have our own style that we want to implement, right? And this is going to allow us to do that without having to say it's all or nothing. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, one thing, the CDK is relatively new, but it's actually been around for a while. Um, you know, it was the core component and it was just in like a utilities folder before and then we extracted it out. Um, so it's been around for a while. It's like pretty, you know, solid in terms of, you know, using it. We built the foundation of all the material components on it. And just recently, the documentation for it went live. I think it was last week. Uh, so if you go to material.angular.io, uh, now up beside components, there's also a CDK tab so that you can actually check out what's inside it. So would an appropriate analogy be that the material to... D3 would be the CDK to D3's math 
libraries? It's kind of like the thing that sits underneath that powers it, or not? I, I suppose so. I suppose so. It, it was a little bit of a stretch because, I mean, they're not the same visually, but at the same time, you have this polished thing that sits on top of a framework that you can use uh, to do whatever you need to do. Yeah, I mean, the CDK actually, um, it doesn't have any, like, view components per se. Right. But it, it's, a, it's a toolbox that you can use to build other things with. Yep. Or tool kit, I guess. But. Cool. All right, so the other thing that was talked about uh, under the labs thing is ABC, uh, Angular uh, Basal Enclosure, right? Uh, who wants to take a stab at explaining that? <laughs> Anybody? I can explain it a little Sam, bit. Sam, go. <laughs> I was sick as a dog. I, uh, uh, I'm playing that card. <laughs> okay, so... Angular uh, Basal Enclosure, it's the idea of uh, taking some of the internal tools at Google, I believe, that they use to do build process of this, you know, this mono repo approach where they have several apps, several libraries all within one repo, and you need to build those, and you need to conditionally build those, you know, to be performant on, on scale and those sort of things, um, and trying to, you know, make those internal tools more available externally for everybody to use to accomplish some of these challenges that, that people meet, the challenges that Google met and faced and, and tackled and, and making it available outside of the realm of Google. Um, and then trying to fit that into the story that is our Angular development, right? Um, so I think this was mentioned last year at NGConf, I think, uh, maybe probably even before that. And this idea of the ABC stuff and so I think it's just more moving forward on those bits. On that note, there's a really interesting article that came back that, you know, talks about why Google stores billions of lines of code in a single repository. So, you know, if you read that article, you might understand a little bit more about, you know, this move to Bazel and things like that. Justin will share that out after the show. Yes. Yeah, so, it, it, you know, like currently today we talk about like, let's say we're using the Angular CLI, right? And that's using um, <clears throat> Webpack right now and it's bundling and building all of our code and libraries and dependencies and things like that. And we make a change to a file, then it's got to rebuild that entire thing, right? If we've got separation of libs and, and apps and things we want to like, modularize in our code base and we make tweaks to a little bit of them we got to wait for the build process to happen for all of those right and so there's kind of a need to solve that whether that's with solving it with webpack or solving it with basil or something else you know but but the challenge is is that we need to figure out ways to uh make that build process faster make it incremental make it you know piece by piece that sort of thing and, and kind of get that experience going there along with other things and so i think that that's the ABC stuff is is an approach that's done to do that, and then it's a matter of okay, how do we make this available? And so, like, do more information about that, you know, things we go forward. But it's it's compelling. Anybody want to add anything to that, or on to the next it's, one? It's it's supposed to be um, you know a lot faster because it's going. I believe it's Java based, so you'll be able to get like you know, true multi-threading in terms of your builds and things like that. So, you know, people will be able to see quite a bit better build performance when they're building these. And one other thing is, you know, when I was talking to Rob Warnell about this, and, and well, before I move on, the Java thing they're planning to be like totally packaged where you don't even realize that Java is like going on in the background. So people like me that were like, what? Java <laughs> uh, won't even have to worry about that. But another thing that like Rob was talking about is like in real world, like you're not necessarily just building the webpack build, right? You're typically like watching, you know, you know, whether it's C sharp or you know Java or something like that. There are other builds going on in your system. So to be able to unify those builds in a single like build system like this that's highly performant and can kind of bootstrap on top of other build systems and like 
you know, a single point of, you know, building will be really cool to see how that plays out. Yeah. But the idea um, to expand on what you were talking about with the multi-threaded aspect, that's one of the main ways to keep build times consistent as your app grows in scale from uh, hello world through multi um, levels of multi uh, ng modules, lazy loaded features and all of that to build those independently on their own thread uh, to support all of those uh, uh, to keep the same level of performance as your app grows. Yeah, you know what we need to just do? We just need to get Alex Eagle to come on and do an episode and, and talk all about it and explain it. <laughs> so oh then we know yes. what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> so uh, we'll get on that. Cool. Okay, so that's kind of labs that was discussed. Um, another thing that was talked about is this concept of Angular elements. Uh, Rob Wormel did a talk on that, and this was pretty cool. Uh, who all saw that? Anybody in the panel who watched that? Raising hands, you can say yes. I did. I did. I I did. It, it, it looks awesome. Uh, the ability to essentially t write Angular code and have web components spit out that would play nicely with Angular. It'll play nicely with other frameworks as well, or even just raw JavaScript. No framework. Um, which kind of like expands the Angular universe to ideas of a CMS where you can drop in a script tag that has a component that you've built with Angular, use all the tools that you know, and bundle it up as a uh, web component and use it in some sort of CMS or custom um, rendered uh, piece where you don't necessarily have a full spa running. Yeah, so it's this idea, right, that you can create these custom elements, like you're saying, like use the the knowledge that you have of building angular components right um creating these component classes the decorators that sort of thing the same way you build these angular things and then bundle them up into this reusable custom element that then you can drop on use in different places um, and it'll basically run this isolated little component right uh, without having to run angular and all that other stuff um, and that's being worked on. Uh, Rob showed some of that stuff. I believe that that one was recorded, uh, so you could watch that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's cool. What I like about it a lot is like we already had this. Angular already had this stuff kind of in its platform, right? For building components, we have uh, view encapsulation, uh, the the template and the logic with the the class code and, and things like that. Um, that we're already building our Angular components in this way that kind of falls around custom elements and this sort of thing. And so now we get the fruition of some of those decisions and, and, and architecture, how components are built to be able to easily, well, easily, right, uh, go to this movement where we can have this custom element from what we created be used, you know, outside of Angular. I don't know, it's pretty cool. So yeah, but check that out. We need to, we'll, we'll uh, tweet that out or, or send that link out, but uh, you could probably find it. It's Angular Mix on the YouTube channel, but check out the one about Angular Elements. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's one of those things that when you first hear about it, you think, eh, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. And then you start thinking about the possibilities of what you can do with it. And it's like, oh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, I like that. I can do a lot of these other really cool things with. Really opens up a whole lot of possibilities. Yeah, and it really all fits into that reusability, right? And that management of uh, encapsulation of these modular bits that you're using and then getting other teams and other people, places and people to be able to use that code and then um, you know focus on working in that code in isolation and things like that. It's pretty cool. Reusable is the like best. A... What's the best? Reusable. Anything reusable. I love reusable. For sure. I feel like I learned something uh, new this year because this was the first time that I was a speaker and before I was always an attendee. And when I was an attendee, like every single talk, I was in the front row taking notes and I was like just soaking up everything like a sponge. But when I was a speaker, I was just like, I can't listen to those talks because I'm still working on my talks. And it was just like trying, it was like the last minute trying to get everything perfect before 
and I, I hadn't seen that side of it. So now I understand like the stress that the speakers go through at the conference. Cause I was just an attendee. All I have to do is sit there and listen to you guys. And this time it was like, ah. The first two days I was finishing. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just, I just, I missed some of the talks that I really, really wanted to see because I had my own problems to deal with. Right. The first two days I, uh, I was working on my presentation and the rest of the week I was sick. I was so sick and I'm sad I didn't see any of them. Oh, that's yeah, so that's the worst. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that really quick because uh, that, that's an interesting topic in terms of uh, you know being a speaker at a conference versus being an attendee. Um, I had the chance this time to be an attendee. Um, I didn't do a talk there. Uh, we did I'm, have a booth. I'm wondering, how did that feel? Like, is yes. it different after having been a speaker to go back to being an attendee or can you slip right back in that mode? Okay, so for me, this was my first Angular-specific conference that I had been to that I wasn't speaking. So it was actually like the first time I got to enjoy a, an Angular-centric conference without having any requirements. And so the things that you just mentioned about, you know, the stress, the, the having your talk on your mind or talks on your mind if you're somebody at Proco, um, and being prepared for that, it, it basically takes you, I mean, it takes me and I'm, I'm sure most people out of this mindset of like ability to enjoy the moment, to really engage in these community discussions and things like that with people because you got this thing weighing over you, right? And so for me, uh, coming into this one, it was really cool because right from day one, from the very beginning, I just felt like I was totally engaged in every conversation I was having and in every connection I was making with people from our community, with other speakers, all that stuff. And it, it was a, it was a pretty cool experience to be able to take that in because there's so many connections that you make. There's so many, you know, our Angular community is very active about including people about, uh, you know, we're going to dinner together. We're hanging out in between sessions together. I mean, it, people are inviting it. I mean, you're, you're hanging out with new attendees you've never met before speakers and attendees. It's, it, that's what, that's the lifeblood of our community, our Angular community. And to be able to enjoy that when, when you go to these conferences, it's like, if it's three days, might as well forget about it. All three days are going to be, you're going to have some every moment with, with engagement with somebody. Right. So to be able to actually digest that and, and, and enjoy that was, was pretty cool. But I, I think the best part about that was to be able to enjoy those conversations over a nice cup of butterbeer. <laughs> oh, there was butterbeer. Oh yeah. There was butterbeer. Oh, oh yeah. Wait, was it, was it like hot or was it cold butterbeer? Cold. Cold. No, no, oh, okay. you could choose. I believe you could choose if you wanted it. It was either cold or frozen. Oh, cold or frozen. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so it was like slushy or non-slushy. Oh, I've only ever had the slushy, but I'm pretty sure the books, it's only hot, so. Uh, that so. butterbeer was kind of amazing, actually. Mm -hmm. I wasn't too sure about letting Samantha drink the butterbeer, but they assured me <laughs> it would be fine. No, it doesn't have alcohol. They're like 13 in the books. <laughs> Drinking butter beer, mom. I know, but it says beer, so I don't know. But I got a really cute picture of Brocky and Sam drinking butter beer, and Sam had like the little milk mustache. It was really yeah. Cool. My other mom it was a butter beer mustache. Day. Oh yeah, and uh, Mike was Sam's mom because I was trying to go to the Harry Potter party, and then I was going to leave early, but I, I but Sam wanted to stay for the whole party. So I'm like, hey, Mike, are you staying for the Harry Potter? Because I'm trying to find like a responsible adult. So like, do you and know you ended responsible adult? Then like Sam would go off with Mike and then she would like ditch him and come back and find me. And then he's like, I lost my kid. And I'm like, Mike, you're a horrible parent. <laughs> he was the so worst. Was, I kept running was. away and he wouldn't even notice. I'm like, <laughs> I could actually be running away. Yeah, so the, but the it was so fun. So the conference party event, right? <laughs> so most of these conferences, for those of you that haven't attended a conference, has usually has some sort of event or party one of the nights, right, uh, uh, that gets everybody together. And for this one, it was uh, the Harry Potter land at Universal Studios Orlando. It got rented out, so it was just the attendees of the conference for like three hours in the middle of the night uh, at this Harry Potter, the Harry Potter land. Uh, they have three different rides. I guess if you call them all three rides, there's one and a half rides and then one <laughs> Wait. virtual train thing. What? Okay, whoa, 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 slow your roll. Are you calling the train a non-ride? Like what? what? 
I mean, there's no belt. You're not buckled in. I, I, there was a really cool red really. button. This is true. It, it was suspenseful. Sam made it very suspenseful. There was an <laughs> open your door emergency red button that she, knob, it was a knob, wasn't it? Knob, not a button. It was a knob. knob. It was and a red I, knob. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my, so, that sounds like uh, the most amazing, like, after party ever. And I'm so You sorry. know what was really cool? I We met, so Samantha and I met Deborah Carada at NGConf last year, and we were super excited to meet Deborah. Like, like, Sam did not fangirl over any of the Angular core team. Like she was like, "Oh yeah, nice to meet you, blah blah blah." But when she met Deborah Carada, she was like, "Oh my god, that's her!" She was like so excited, right? So we hadn't had had a chance to really hang out with her, and so I asked Deborah Carada if she would ride over there with us to the Harry Potter party, and we actually ended up hanging out with her. Little she knows her Harry Potter, like she knew like where to go and what to do, and she was so fun. So we actually got like the personal Deborah Carada tour through the Harry Potter castle. And uh, that was kind of amazing because I mean, we already loved her, but then after hanging out with her, like she's so amazing. So that was really fun. I had to share, another, this... I had to share this picture of the train though. Oh yeah. Mike, Mike's that's, got the... that's a ride. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That picture is epic. That makes it look like you're going, like the train's going to no. fly off the track. You know, I, was, I was on platform nine and three quarters. Epic, you know, it's okay, Shorty. Just because you don't like fun, right? Like, it doesn't mean you have to take it back. We get it. You don't like fun. You're not all down with the train ride. It's fine. All right, all right. It's a ride. I'm going to give it that. There was three rides that we, we got to experience all to ourselves. So you guys win. I, I, that was I, a really fun night. That was pretty And cool. I did so not end up going home early. I couldn't. It was too much fun. So we got I to. I wanted to ask, Shorty, since you experienced it from a non-speaker point of view, did you actually get to learn anything new, like from the talks? Since you got to like relax and enjoy them, was there anything that you were like, "Wow, I actually took things away from the talks," or was it still all like, "I'm pro expert, man." Well, I'm never going to claim that. <laughs> uh, I, you know, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was a combination of the opportunity to see these talks and digest some of stuff. I mean, most of these other you know conferences, they have them recorded and things like that. So you can go and see that after the fact, right? And still get some of that information. But I think one of the cool things about it was sitting next to people and, and watching the talks and then talking about stuff while we're doing that, right? Like Thomas Burleson, I uh, got a chance to hang out with him a lot. Uh, that was really cool. Got, um, got to spend a lot of time with him. And, and we sat through a couple of uh, talks and discuss things while they were up there. And we actually hammered out some thoughts and ideas about things from the talk that, that spurred us to think about things some more and came up with some new ideas and things like that. Uh, so that kind of engagement uh, definitely got to do. Whereas, you know, if I was talking, as you know, I mean, I probably would have had that conversation. I'd be sitting in there yeah. kind of watching a talk, but really thinking about my talk, right. Or, or thinking about the, the after effect of my talk. And yeah, so definitely just that sort of thing. Um, certainly helped. You're inspiring me to at least make like pressure. one conference next year. You know, like I, I just I think if you're a speaker, again. you definitely need to do that. If you haven't experienced that, like like do that. I mean, you need some time you know, to engage, you know, fully with the community and, and take that in and also see it from the perspective of of attendees, right? Um, you get that experience with it. It's cool. Um, but so, so we had this Harry Potter thing, right? And that was the big event. And usually we get these, these, you know, things that then part of everybody's attendees pay to put on the conference goes towards that. And, and the conference, you know, people plan these events that, that kind of uh, fill that. Um, but it's interesting this, with this conference is we, they did have a scenario where only the first day of the tracks were recorded uh, and day two and day three weren't recorded. And we don't know why that was, whether it was a decision made to not record it or maybe something just didn't work out and they weren't able to record it. But let's say it was a decision made to say, okay, we're going to put our budget towards a cool party versus the recording. Um, it'd be interesting to think about like, do we benefit, you know, would you want, like if you were attending you're paying, would you want that cool Harry Potter experience or would you rather have that go towards the recording? I, I think for me, I, I would rather that. Everybody wants to answer that one. <laughs> For me, I think it would definitely go towards the recording because even when I'm there and even when I'm fully, you know, hanging on their every word, uh, I'm usually sleep deprived at a conference and there's usually a lot going on. 
And I really just try to kind of pick out which talks I think are the most interesting. And, and especially for the ones that are the most interesting, I want to go back and sleep for two days and then watch those talks again and really absorb it. Because it's really hard to, like, like Samantha says, I can't fit that in my brain right now, right? There's just too much going on. And I really, to me, recording the talks is a huge value. And, and I wouldn't say like, oh, I don't have to go to the conference because I, I could just watch it online because it's not the same experience at all as being there. But even after being there and watching all of them live, um, I still would want them recorded because NGConf, I mean, I'm, I watch every single talk and I'm totally listening and paying attention and I still, some of it, I have to go home and really kind of chew on it for a while before I can really understand it and use it. So I, I absolutely love it when the talks are recorded. I used to go to JSConf and they never recorded any of their talks because they wanted the attendees to like get the experience, right? Like you're paying to be there. We want you to have like the experience and, and you know, we're not going to record these and stream these for free type thing. And it was like, I understand that from that perspective, but at the same time, like, like you were seeing Bonnie, you know, we, you know, typically like you'll watch a talk and there'll be so much content that you want to like, um, you want to, um, you know, digest and it's so hard. You want to go back and you want to look at those talks and, and maybe like a year later, like you're working on something and you want to see, you know, what was said back then. And so I, I think, you know, just in general, I really enjoy it. And I think, you know, if, if you have that mentality, then maybe like having an option where you could pay for it if you're not attending to get access to the talks and those who attend get access to the talks for free or something like that um, if, if you have that feeling. But I just think it, it's been so much helpful to go to conferences that have those recorded. Heck, yeah. you have to like where the money goes because obviously everyone would opt out at the end to have it recorded. I feel like I'm more grateful for these crafted experiences that I get when I go to conferences. And so if it means like making that happen and making me be able to have time with like some person in the Angular community that I just wanted to get to know better and I wanted to be able to like create that relationship, I don't know, I value conferences on that level like at a great deal. So if I would have to sacrifice that for a later recording, I would almost say like, versus the recordings but that would be interesting that would be like a good topic for a twitter poll because i see both sides of it i personally i think i would i loved the harry potter party i had a lot of fun um hanging out with deborah and mike and everybody but i would actually give that up to have the recordings because to me there's more technical and there's more career value to have those recordings and have that knowledge so i think it's kind of it's, it's a really interesting question like i wonder what uh what people would think and by the way there oh, was it's funny you think there's more career value there because I feel like the relationship building and like having those contacts is more important as far as career building. At least for my career, it has been than just like the basic skills I have because I feel like who you know is so much more important than what you can prove you know on like a written test or something. So I would agree I with that. Like I would I would agree with myself, but then I would also agree with you. So if there was a Twitter poll, I would be like I would want to probably click both of them. So it would have to be like all of the above. I want it all. I want the Harry Potter party and I want the recordings. But okay. we actually did have an Angular Mix bootlegger in the audience. Um, I made friends with the guy in the audience who was live streaming. And he was just, he was like recording them with his cell phone, but there are a few online. So if you guys go follow uh, Dustin underscore Shay, S-H-E-A, he actually did have a couple of bootleg uh, unofficial That's recordings. That's awesome. That should become a thing. Like for conferences that can't afford it, like to have people in the audience do it. That's awesome. I just yeah, made a Twitter awesome. poll for you, Bonnie. You yeah. made a what? I just made a Twitter poll for you, Bonnie. <laughs> okay, Alyssa and I will go be the first two voters. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Yeah, but I think you need another option. I think you need to have an option to have the parties recorded. <laughs> no, 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 no. Especially not after the butterbeer starts. That's not. Uh, it's not. It was not an alcoholic. It would have been. Well, fine. Have any alcohol? <laughs> I don't know. Like, be a live stream for you. You don't want to see after like me and Bonnie on it, and Bonnie and Sam on a sugar rush. Like that's not something you want. So no. <laughs> no. Alyssa, wasn't it you on the sugar rush too? <laughs> 
You know what? There was one thing that I really <laughs> wish was recorded because there, do you guys know who Simona, uh, what is her name? Simona Cotine from Twitter. Do y'all know her? Uh, so Samantha and Simona have been following each other on Twitter for a while and they really wanted to meet and they were like looking for, cause they had never met in person before. And so Samantha, I'm standing there with Samantha and she looks, and I think it was like, she looked into the, uh, the sponsor room and she saw Simona standing there and she's like, Oh, there she is. Right. And then, so there's like this slow motion, Simona and Sam turn around and saw each other and they're like 50 feet apart and they start running arms outstretched like a slow motion movie moment. Right. And it was adorable. <laughs> and I wish that had been recorded because that was like, like I really would have, that would have been a perfect gift of those two just cause they're so cute. I got a picture of them together, but I did not get the slow motion movie moment. And I was sad to have missed that, but I got to experience it in real life. So it was awesome. That was adorable. You can replay it right now. Both of you just stand up and run it. <laughs> so I, I agree with all that stuff. Um, I think that those are all valid points and stuff like that. I think the one challenge though, is that when you have a multi-track, any multi-track days, like that's when it really becomes difficult for an attendee to not have those recorded, right? Because now the attendee has to pick or choose what they're going to see. And if it's not recorded, they totally miss out on that other content. Um, and I think it's a bummer, you know, not only for the attendees to have to pick and choose, but then also for all those speakers that prepared that content that they do want to get out there and share with other people to not have that available. So, And the other aspect is, even for speakers um, that say if there was a talk going on uh, during one of my talks where I really want to be able to see the content that they're producing, but I'm obligated at the same time to show the content that I've prepared. Uh, so you have that aspect for speakers uh, who really have no control over the choice of what they get to see or do. Exactly. I missed out on being a heckler for Mike Brocky because I had to go give my talk. Rocky, you just want to watch yourself over and over again. <laughs> Actually, and he was in the same slot, time slot, I think, as Sonny. And so that was like a big, uh, and, I, and I know a lot of attendees, like those were two talks that a lot of people wanted to see, and they had to choose between the two, and it was difficult to do that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about more some of those other uh, talks that happened. Uh, people, what did you like? Uh, other ones that were not the Angular team on that first day, that sort of thing. There was a really good one um, about GraphQL that I really enjoyed. Um, I thought the presenter was really pretty. So I, I really enjoyed that talk. Plus, oh, was Yuri so. there? Yuri Goldstein was there or something? <laughs> Actually, I think he was. NGG. It looked like Uri. Uh, I think he was there. All right, so you would have loved it. It, it was pretty epic. So Bonnie had her hold on, first hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah. It's been photographed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. I forgot about awesome. that picture. That's okay, so, awesome. So context, right? Bonnie did her first talk. Uh, talked about using GraphQL. Uh, within Angular and using Apollo, the Apollo client with GraphQL. Um, Which only worked because of you, Justin. Whatever, we'll skip that. But <laughs> it, uh, epic talk, really cool talk. So she demoed how to use GraphQL and Apollo to get um, data into an Angular app, as well as like real-time data, because that's one of the new things that they've got with Apollo client and this WebSocket thing and, and ability to um, query data and then get data live pushed to it, and then merge that into your existing query to get your view all updated and stuff like that. So if you know anything about GraphQL or whatever, it's pretty cool. If not, maybe we need to have another show on that. We had a show last year on it, I think. Erie came on, talked about it, but it's really cool. Um, and so she had this amazing talk, which was really engaging. And it, she did such a great job of engaging the audience, um, asking questions, you know, the whole idea of GraphQL laying on top of an existing data sources that you need to get to the to your application but not expose it via REST or, or at div different endpoints to have it all through one. So she's asking the, the audience about what databases they use, this sort of thing, and everybody wasn't super engaged. And uh, brought out Sam to be Uri, and the two of them played off each other. It was it was epic. And it's a, maybe it's <laughs> on the bootleg recording, I don't know, but it was. Uh, it is. It is on the bootleg. 
Except in the beginning, the audience was coming in and we did not know that Dustin was recording. So Samantha and I, and you know, we're goofy, right? We're uh, like up there, like singing karaoke with no music. And it was just like, like I did not, I would have been more professional had I known that he was recording because we were just up there being goofballs. We were like nervous and we were just, you know, singing acapella karaoke. So I would strongly recommend that if you find that bootleg and you watch it, just skip like until you start seeing slides because the, the part before that was, <laughs> I did oh, not no, know. No, no. You need that to own was... that. Own it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know. And people need but to the watch cool the whole thing. thing. The, the most fun, I think, was, and Alyssa, I really wish that you had seen that because we put Sam, we had the beard and the wig for Samantha. And, and, and Sam didn't know this. Like I was like prepping her and like telling her what her part was and what her lines were. But what she didn't know is she was up there on stage and she starts going like this with her beard, which Uri does that. And I was like, oh that is goodness. uncanny. Like, how did you pick up on that? Like beard thing going on? It was hilarious. When I get into character, I get into character. <laughs> no, it's, it's not even that. I wasn't there. It wasn't me. I wasn't at that talk. Uri was at that talk. Uri right. was, yeah. It was Uri Goldstein. He's the one who wrote Apollo. And he had been helping me a lot um, leading up to my talk and, like, explaining to me how to use this and how to use this. And so, so the parts that he explained to me, then I had Samantha sit in and play his part so that he could explain to me and I could explain to the audience, like, this is what I thought, but I was wrong. This is actually an easier way to accomplish the same thing. And so it was kind of, yeah, it was cool. But the whole beard on Samantha was pretty hilarious. <laughs> and then Sam had her first talk there on Angular Animations, and it was awesome. Yeah. Was Thank awesome. you. Yeah, yeah. Was, Alyssa, we wish you were there. Weird. The, the, my favorite, and I hate to, because Sam's going to kill me. She's going to come downstairs and like thump me on the head as soon as the show is over because she hates this, but it was so funny. So as, so she was nervous, right? She did such a great talk and she, she was, she has such, I mean, she's young, but she has great stage presence, right? She's a hoot. And uh, so she did this awesome talk. She prepared, she did like great slides. It was great, but she did it a little bit quickly. And then she uh, came off stage and she walked around behind the curtain and then she started talking to the sound guys and immediately she realized that her mic was still live and she goes, Oh my goodness, can they hear me? And like the whole audience just died laughing. And Sam's like back there just mortified. But it was it was so cute. It was adorable. Oh, I've never had a hot mic moment. I'm so excited. You go girl. They loved it. They loved it. It was great. It was, it was the great. worst. It was <laughs> I never want to show my face again. <laughs> But you, you two, both of your talks, you just commanded the stage and, and uh, had the audience engaged so well. Uh, you did such a great job from a speaker. Well, thank you. We were doing that. freaking um, out. We were really super cool. nervous. So, yeah, yeah. And your support yeah, was was, awesome. was really uh, meant a lot because, I mean, it's so great to, to be surrounded by more experienced speakers who are kind of talking us down off the ledge and going, y'all are going to be fine. And Yeah, we were, we were pretty nervous. But it was fun. And it was really, I think it was the same thing when I started the meetup. I was kind of terrified about starting the meetup and speaking in public. And I think what cured me of that was that the people who came to my meetup were so nice to me. They never judged me. They were very appreciative. And it was the same thing with Angular Mix. Like the response that we got from people was so nice. Like we weren't perfect, right? We were super nervous, but it, but it was just the fact that everybody was so nice to us that definitely we will do it again. Only and Mike Brocky told Go ahead. Only Mike Brocky said what? Only Mike Brocky told me that it was horrible. So I'd say that was a win. <laughs> I mean, you can yeah, always count on Mike for that extra. I have no such recollection. That's convenient. <laughs> I blame it on the butterbeer. Butter <laughs> and we just found out we're going to Angular Connect, too. So we'll get another chance to. Uh, we're pretty excited. We're going to. Guys, we've never been anywhere outside the U.S. And we're going together to London. So we're I've never been out of Texas. No, you've been to Florida. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Any of you, um, if any of you can find like links to the bootleg copies of your talks, would love to see those. Like, links. yeah, it's. So, it's I'll cool. send you a link. Actually, I just put it in the chat. It's in the chat, Alyssa. I've been torrenting them. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we advocate that, but that's what you're you were doing. I shouldn't say bootleg because it sounds so like, you know, because they, he was allowed. 
the the last day we did the um the ngrx workshop and we asked him not to stream it and he did not stream it so but everybody was actually really glad i did talk to the organizers because i was surprised i thought they would all be recorded and they did say it was a budgetary decision so they didn't mind that he was streaming it um and if it, but it, yeah it was really exciting when we found out that he was doing that by the way my results from the poll so far are 76 percent like would vote recorded over 24 percent how but many people only, have voted? Only but like, look at what you labeled the option. He labeled it, like, that is so not coming across as, like, an experience to get to know other people. It's coming I mean, off Alyssa, as, like, you make your own poll, and then the rest of us should make a poll to see whose poll is better. <laughs> Alyssa, I only had so many characters. <laughs> Maybe we can find somebody with the double character amount access. Oh, my. Mom and I that. Both that. my moms. I'm so proud. What? I don't understand. How? I don't know. I don't how, know. How, how you get the double characters or how Sam has two moms? <laughs> I know. Well, I get the two moms thing. <laughs> All right. Well, we're at the top of the hour. Let's wrap this thing up. Get to our uh, ever famous, popular. The part that we love, which is picks, right? Um, which I think we're now renaming to Austin's picks, and we're just going to have Austin do the picks, and it's just his show. But at the end here, but maybe, maybe we'll all have some picks. I don't know. But oh, oh, oh. before we before... did not like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> he just disconnected. He's like, I'm out. Peace. You scared him off, Shorty. <laughs> what did I miss? Not, nothing. 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 Oh, nothing. Good. Nothing. We were just going to get to picks. Uh, but before we do that, any last comments on uh, Angular Mix? Anything else you may want to add real quick? I, I think you're my hero. I'm going to keep saying that, and I know you're tired of hearing it. But... Yeah, we, yeah, we can stop that. OK, anybody else? <laughs> All right, well, it was pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, there's more on the pipeline, right? Uh, other conferences up now. Angular Connect's up next in London. Uh, we've got NG Atlanta. Uh, NG Atlanta. At the and then NG of... Conf. Uh, NG Comp, NG Vikings is in there in March. Um, NG Europe. When's NG Europe? Atlanta. Uh, early February. NG Europe, NG Europe and NG Atlanta are like overlapping, which I'm conflicted about. But I'm already I'm already speaking at NG Atlanta, so I can't go to NG Europe. But uh, uh, NG... go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, NG Comp Cough Papers is open right now, and I'm super excited about that because that's that's like for me that's where it all started. So what's your talk going to be this year? Uh, NG Conf? Uh, I don't know yet. I'm probably going to submit like 25 different talks just to make sure that one of them gets picked because I really, right. really want to go to NG Conf. She can't she can't reveal that it's competitive. You got to keep that <laughs> you know, tight to the I'm chest. And just send it in. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going right. to be cool. Well, yeah. Everybody submit. Looking forward to seeing uh, the topics. And I'm going to submit how to be an Angular mom. <laughs> you need a little, maybe we could uh, consult on that because uh, you need a little bit more practice on being a mother. I'll be your mentor, Mike. I'll, I'll teach you everything about being an Angular mom. I know, I know, I know. Pitfalls of being an Angular mom. Start with daily beatings. Oh, yeah. No, that's no, no, no. That's why I'm so short. She just keeps beating on my head. All right, let's get to picks. <laughs> okay, so Austin's picks. We'll start with Austin's picks. Austin, why don't you uh, go for it? Yeah, so I've got a couple this week. Um, in Rx 5.5, RxJS, um, the whole imports like chaining thing is getting fixed, and they're calling this lettable operators. So you'll essentially be able to import your maps and stuff like that instead of having to and pipe them together instead of like these like crazy like where did I get my import of this thingy from? Um, also, uh, the Angular CDK docs we talked about that earlier. Those went live um, last week. So uh, if you're wondering what people had been talking about about the CDK, those are up now. Um, TypeScript 2.6 is coming out. There's a couple new features and performance things in there that you should be aware of. Um, it's in beta right now. And 
we had Gleb on a show a couple weeks, uh, a couple shows ago, and he works at CypressIO, and he was talking about um, Indian tests and, and things like that. And if you don't know about it, CypressIO is like an end-to-end like test engine that like runs. It, it's really, really comprehensive. It's one of the best tools uh, for testing I've ever used. And it actually went open source today. So that is huge. Highly recommend checking it out. Austin speaks for famine on those picks, huh? Yeah. He had another one in there, but I think he moved it. So um, I give it to right. you, Justin. I didn't want to talk about it. I felt right. bad because I had so many picks. All right. Well, I'm not going to pick it. So you, can, if you want to talk about it, you better bring it up. <laughs> or we can bring it up later. All right. Who else got picks? Anybody else have picks? I'll steal that one. All right, Mike, what are your picks? <laughs> I am going, let me double check that I've got the right one here. Uh, NX from Narwhal. Um, NX is a series of schematics, which we'll learn about more next week, um, about um, a prescribed way of writing Angular applications and how to structure them. Um, so definitely very cool. Definitely go and check that out. That And Justin, where can I find more info about that? Well, if you're asking, it's nrwl.io slash nx. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're going to have an episode too, probably after Angular Connect, uh, where we dive into that and really showcase that. I'll get Jeff and Victor to come on and demo that and stuff like that. So. That'll be a good show. Cool. Yeah, we announced that at Angular Mix, so that was pretty cool. All right. I've got some picks, but or a pick. Anybody else have any picks? Uh, Alyssa, Bonnie, Sam, OK. Um um, my Two. pick is the Acura RDX. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I have a legit pick. Can I tell the story, like super quick? Do we have time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell it. So, so Samantha and I share an old Chevy. We did share an old Chevy Trailblazer, and I have not re replaced it because it was paid off, and I like the fact that it was paid off. Yesterday, Samantha was on the way home from the doctor and broke down on the side of the road and called me, and she was very upset. And so we just kicked that old Chevy to the curb. And we bought a new car last night. It was fun. Yep. Nice. Good story. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So my pick, my legit pick, is, it's not uh, new, but it is very cool. It is uh, TypeScript Hero, the linting, because uh, I had to do hours of linting, and it was not fun. So when I found this, I was very happy. It lints on autosave, and I... Pro you guys have all probably heard of this, but I think it's really cool because I had to do all the linting on this project that I'm on, and it was not fun. So that's my pick. Cool. Bonnie, Alyssa? Um, so two are picks. One is NG Atlanta, which we already talked about. Get your tickets now. I'll be speaking. Lots of other cool people will be speaking. It'll be lots of fun. Secondly, for any of you out there who are wanting to get into speaking or are already in speaking but have not submitted to the upcoming NGConf in 2018, last week on Adventures in Angular, another podcast that I'm on, uh, we interviewed the organizers, so Frosty and Joe Eames, about their upcoming plans. And they revealed actually a lot of secrets about um, the upcoming NGConf. But what they also revealed was some tips on um, a massive, massive, massive survey they sent out to the community and um, the info that they got back and feedback that they got back as far as what talks people want to see and more importantly, like the talks that people are tired of hearing. So if you want to hear more on that subject, I'll uh, put the link in the show notes to that specific episode. But yeah, good luck to all of you uh, talk submission committees. What, what do you call people pre-talk? Like waiting? Hopefuls. <laughs> Hopefuls. Yes, yes. Good luck. Cool. Bonnie, do you have any picks? Yeah, uh, actually, that was a really good pick because I did not know about that episode, and I'm submitting my first uh, speaker for ng-comp, so I really want to go to that, so I'm going to check that out. Uh, my pick is Angular Connect. You guys already know about Angular Connect, but I'm just picking that because I'm super excited about Angular Connect because it's coming up. That's my pick. Cool. All right, my pick is the RxJS5 Ultimate uh, Gitbook that's out there from uh, Christopher Noring. Uh, he's put this thing together. Uh, it's a bunch of uh, information about 
doing RxJS 5 stuff is really cool. Uh, it's free, so check it out. That's my pick. He's pretty cool. Right. I saw him, yeah. but I didn't actually get to hang out with him, but I've been following him on. I feel like we were like ships passing in the night at Angular Mix because I kept trying to hang out with him, and he was going. But he seems got, pretty cool. I got to meet him in person finally. That's what's funny about all these conferences and stuff. It's cool. It's like you have your uh, – remote engagements, right? Twitter and all that stuff and all those things. And then finally at one of these conferences, you get to meet in person. And it's it's crazy because it's like a lot of these people you run in, and you're like, you feel like you already know them. It's it's like an easy meet sort of thing. So it's pretty cool. That's a I good pick. That's a good pick. Update your profile picture on social media to be actually you. So that when people meet you at conferences, they know who you are. That is an and even if you can point. watch, even what if you can you... watch online, try to go in person because the conference, the, the Angular community is amazing. Like I love these people, all the people. What if it's you, but you're wearing a panda hat? <laughs> you have to commit to wearing that panda hat the entire conference. If not, it all falls apart. So like you got to make your decision. Maybe you need to be standing there in your profile pic, holding your panda head, so people know that it could be one or the other. Sort of Maybe like two-headed person. My <laughs> my head. All right. Well, time to put a bow on it, wrap this thing up. We'll be uh, call it a show, call it an episode. So we will catch everybody next week. I believe it's going to be Brocky talking about schematics, but we may switch that around and get David East talking about Angular Fire. I don't know. Stay tuned. Um, you'll get something. <laughs> And it'll be entertaining, we hope. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. That was fun. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Later.